Coming up on today's show, the Raptors claw one out, the Jazz find their rhythm, and the Sixers look sunk. But first, the Mavs have a puncher's chance. Good morning and happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Ding. We have all your playoff action from a pretty special Wednesday in the NBA playoffs. I'm your host, Dave DeFore, joined as I am on a very regular basis by my man, Trevon Edwards. Trey, the games weren't awful today. They weren't awful. They were really fairly close. And even when the games looked like they were out of reach, it's a game of runs. They all end up you know, getting back close. And we got Brian Smith somewhere pushing buttons, making sure we sound good. We're going to start with the Mavericks defeating the Clippers 127-114. to 114. This series is now tied 1-1. to one. Luka Doncic with another fantastic game. 28 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Trey, he got into some foul trouble. In five fouls, but he solved the turnover issue from game one. He only turned the ball over one time tonight. What did you think the difference was for Luka? I think it was just patience and try, stop trying to do it all, trusting his teammates. Um, making the right plays you know obviously he's playing exceptional basketball he just set a record I guess as far as most points by you know not second year player but I guess like debut stuff he's been playing extremely well you know and I feel bad that I compared him to Hidu Turkoglu even though Hidu Turkoglu wasn't like a slouch or anything but I said Luca would take some time maybe year three or year four for him to be an all-star this dude's playing out of this world and we got to put some more respect on European players. I don't know if the Turkoglu comp is bad. He sort of does have a lot of the pace setting that Turkoglu had. Obviously, he's a, a much more talented player, but that's not an awful comp. I mean, you know, the way he plays with his back to the basket so much, I think you're onto something there. I do think the Clippers missed Pat Beverly in this game, and, and that's part of why the turnovers weren't an issue for the Mavs. They only had nine for the game tonight. Obviously, they had 21 in game one, so that's a huge difference for them. Luka just didn't feel that pressure, and when they did trap, it just didn't seem like the trap was anywhere close to as effective as it was in the beginning of game one. So clearly, whatever butterflies he had about playing in the playoffs and playing against the Clippers just you know seemed to have dissipated. I want to point out Porzingis was questionable for this game. He's got a little bit of inflammation in his knee. He did play. Had a really nice game, 23 points, 7 rebounds. Trey, it's super important that they're able to get both of these guys healthy and going because as we saw, when Luka is having foul trouble or if he's having an off night, they need KP to pick it up when he's not out there. I still can't believe they were able to to get KP. I mean, these two, their chemistry is great. You know, KP's able to spread the floor, which opens up driving lanes for Luka for him to create and find other shooters. And it just works really well. Honestly, this series should be 2-0. But right now, we got the officials 1, Mavs 1, Clippers 0. Hopefully, you know, if the Clippers don't wake up, man, it can get scary real soon. Well, for the Clippers, I think their defense over-adjusted a little bit. They were shading too much to worry about the 3. And Luka made him pay for it. You know, he was getting the ball to the basket himself or hitting the roll man quite a bit. You could tell that the Clippers were just out of sorts to start the game and, and really just never recovered. For the Clippers offensively, I mean, Kawhi, we know what he is. He's a steadying force. He's going to give you in the playoffs anywhere between 28 and 40 points a game. You know you're going to get that each and every night. 13 of 14 for him from the free throw line had 10 rebounds. Exactly what you expect out of Kawhi. But the other guy, Paul George, 
We're going to call him PG4 of 17 after this game. 14 points, got into foul trouble early. You could see that the Mavs were actually getting in his head. Can the Clippers win this if Paul George isn't the Paul George that they got in game one? I'm not going to count the Clippers out too much, but I will say that they have to have some sense of urgency in this. I mean, obviously it's 1-1 and a lot can happen. But as of right now, with PG struggling, he has to do a better job at supporting Kawhi. You know, game one played fairly well. But overall, like, this is not an easy matchup. No matter how you look down at it and the expectations that everyone has for the Clippers, they can get knocked off. Should also point out that Seth Curry off the bench had 15 points for the Mavericks. Played really good defense in this game. I mean, was just instrumental in carrying them during those third quarter and fourth quarter minutes without Luka. And, you know, the Mavs bench has been really tough all year. Rick Carlisle always going to coach a team full of small guards who just scrap. But Curry and Burke, I thought tonight, were excellent. They were a two-headed monster. Boban was excellent. The, the whole Mavs bench really made the Clippers pay for, for taking a light on them, and they held their heads above water while Luka was off the court. I, I think that that's the difference in the series. If they can continue to do that, They've got a good chance of of making it on to the second round. In game two of the series between the Sixers and Celtics, the Celtics get another victory, 128-101. to They now lead the series two games to none, and frankly, Trey, the Sixers just looked like they were done about the middle of the second quarter in this one. Oh, man. They were so bad. Like, man, that was a whooping right there. You know, they just kept turning it up. Kimball Walker got it going. Guys were just all over. Jason Tatum making shots everywhere. I really like the player Jason Tatum's becoming. You know, he is a scary player that's developing. And I think, this, you know, his ceiling is is through the roof at this moment. And he'll, he'll be able to elevate his game each time he laces up. Yeah, he's been by far the best player in both of these games. He had 33 points tonight, 8 of 12 from 3. As a matter of fact... If you throw out the bubble game against Milwaukee, the six games that he had, seeding games that he played, and the two games that he's played so far in this series, he's shooting 51% from three on almost eight attempts a game. It's getting to the point where anytime he misses a shot, I'm shocked, especially a wide open one. He missed a couple tonight that were just looked like no-brainers and still went eight of 12. Jalen Brown, fantastic, 20 points, five rebounds, great defense. But I want to move from the Celtics because I think that the Sixers are just, they're a little bit of a mess right now. Joel Embiid had 34 points, which is fine. But you're not getting anything from Tobias Harris. I mean, 13 points, he took 15 shots to get him there. They need more than that, especially without Ben Simmons. Richardson giving you 18, Shake giving you 14, that's great. None of that matters if they don't defend. And, and, you know, needless to say, Embiid does not look fully engaged. And their drop coverage is a mistake against a team that's going to be shooting 19 of 43 from three. I mean, the Celtics are insanely hot. Trey, they need to make some changes on defense. Well, I mean, I don't think that Embiid's not engaged. I think that he's competing. I think that more so their shooting is just awful. You know, once they started to trade guys off, I kind of worried about that. All of a sudden, everyone's saying that they're stacked, but they lost all their shooters. And they never really kind of fixed that. And, you know, and now it's showing, you know, especially when they're struggling inside out and then also not playing defense and not getting stops. And the Celtics got what they wanted tonight. The Sixers were five of 21 from three. I think the 21 is as bad as the five. To only get 
21 threes up. I mean, you you run into a math problem. The Celtics took 43 threes. There's just no way you can compete with that, especially when you're not getting stops because the Celtics shot 51% from the field, 44% from three. They also got to the line 29 times, which is just un-Celtic-like. So I, I think the Sixers' defense is kind of a mess. Their offense isn't helping them at all, but I do think that the defense is, is a big issue there. Talked about Kemba Walker looking really good so far in this series. There was some concern because of that knee. 22 points tonight. I loved his activity on defense, surprisingly. He made a really great play, uh, you know, um, poking the ball away from Embiid, saving a basket. I, I thought that that Kemba's overall performance was pretty nice tonight. Yeah, I think he gets it all started. You know, if a healthy Kemba Walker's around, then there's nothing to really worry about. I mean, you know, he's the leader on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, guys get behind him, and it makes everyone else's job easier. You know, he was getting to the basket. He was making shots, doing what Kemba does. You know, you don't need to go out there and get 30. You know, he can defer to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, other guys that can just kind of, you know, get things done. And I think even more now, even with the absence of Gordon Hayward, other guys are going to be able to step in and, and contribute. And you like you mentioned, you know, Kimba being there on the defensive end allows him to, you know, gain that confidence, you know, because defense turns into offense and rally up more points, you know. And these guys just continue to have a comfortable lead and, and they kept it and, and they didn't look back. The Utah Jazz really just dominated the Nuggets, 124 to 105. Donovan Mitchell is just extremely hot right now. Following the 57-point game, had 30 points and 8 assists, went 6 of 7 from 3. Trey, in my estimation, the Nuggets overcorrected on Donovan Mitchell to the point where you know, his first half, he wasn't all that effective, even though Utah was killer. They basically said, we're going to make everyone else beat us, and they did. Yeah, I mean, you know, after Donovan having that amazing first game, you had to make those adjustments. But, again, you can't fall asleep and think like, okay, well, they're missing some guys. No way other guys aren't going to step up. Man, they were picking it up, dude. Like, you know, you got Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson has been great ever since the trade. You know, like, he has brought some energy that they really, really, really needed. And also some swagger about themselves. So, just being able to, you know, contribute 26 off the bench. And then you got Rudy Gobert, you know, putting together an offensive game. And then also Joe Ingles. So when they're playing like that, they're the team that we expect them to be, not the laughing stock. You know what I mean? And when they're playing bad games, sometimes it's just hard. But the Nuggets can't afford to drop these games, you know, because these are going to be the dog games. I mean, ideally, I do think that the Nuggets will be able to turn some things around. But being down, it's just it's tough. You know what I mean? And And this game was out of reach for a long time. It wasn't close at all. Michael Porter Jr. had a bounce back game on the defensive end. He was played off the court in game one. Looked much better down there in this game. Had 28 points, went six of nine from three. You know, him and Jokic both had 28 points. Offensively, I felt like it was fine. But the defense, though, I mean, again, the overcorrection. Royce O'Neal becomes an unsung hero in this game, scores nine points, hit three threes, but he had eight assists. And those are all Donovan Mitchell being smart, giving up the ball, and Royce O'Neal making a play. And the the inside was just so wide open. He was making passes, skip passes. And this team shot the lights out from three. They went 20 of 44. But in the competitive portion of this game, they were well above 50% for the majority of it. I mean, they, they really just were not missing. And it wasn't like the Nuggets couldn't shoot. They were 13 to 27. But Utah took away the three in this game. I mean, only 27 three-point attempts. 
and the mid they were leaving the mid range open, and they were shutting everything down inside. Only twenty eight paint points for the Nuggets tonight. I can't say enough. And it's funny because you know neither of these teams the numbers don't make it look like they defended well. But I can't say enough about the Utah defensive game plan and how it really threw the Nuggets off. And you're right, they gotta they gotta figure out a way to bounce back from this. Uh, you know, here's a question for you, Trey: Who's gonna stop Jordan Clarkson when he comes off the bench? Who's gonna take that assignment for the Nuggets? Torrey Craig, I I don't know. They mix it up a lot, but. I, I mean, I don't think they have a primary lockdown guy. I think they're just going to have to, Mike Malone's going to have to make some adjustments. I mean, it's kind of crazy because, like, making an adjustment to make adjustments, you just kind of hope that guys aren't just shooting well. But in the bubble, it's just been become a shooter's gym, and guys are just lighting it up and frying. And once they get that feel, they're on fire. Much like last year's playoffs, I think that this Nuggets team is only as good as Jamal Murray is. He's kind of the X factor for them. You know what you're going to get out of Jokic for the most part? You almost know what you're going to get out of the defense, although some nights they surprise you by being a little bit better than normal. But Jamal Murray is sort of hot or cold. And I'll even say Torrey Craig offensively is the same way. Murray and Craig combined for 47 points in game one. I mean, it's huge. Jamal Murray was hitting big shot after big shot. Relatively quiet in this game. They combined for 14 points total, and those were all from Jamal Murray. They got no offense from Torrey Craig. Jamal was 6 of 13 from the field. Only took two threes. So, again, the Utah plan, very obvious. Just do not let these guys shoot threes. And so now the Nuggets are going to have to come back and, and figure out a way to get those shots up. And to be honest with you, I, I think it's we're going to see more Jokic DHOs outside of three-point line. And I don't know how the Nuggets don't play Michael Porter Jr. because he will at least be able to get the shots off over the defense. In the early game, the Raptors defeat the Nets 104-99. to uh, Trey, the Nets have impressed everyone between the seeding games and, and the game today against the Raptors. And even game one, they played hard. But this has kind of been their signature in the bubble. This is more like a mid-major college team, the way that they're playing and the way that, that sort of, uh, especially us in the media, have kind of reacted to them, right? Yeah, I mean, man, hats off to Jock Vaughn getting these guys ready keeping them ready, keeping them focused, playing for something. They had a lot of guys out. They could have just packed this in and went home. But guys are competing, man. They're they're showing so much heart. And if you're a Nets fan, you got to feel some sort of pride in it. You know what I mean? This is how you would want the Knicks to show up every night. And in a particular situation, that hasn't been the case. So, man, they're competing every night. Dude, you think that's going to be a blowout? And they, they have the lead, and, and then obviously something turns over and they're not be you know what I mean? They're, they're not uh, – able to to close it out there's a clear talent gap between these two teams but the nets i'd say work just as hard as the raptors one of the hardest working teams in the league and i i think you know it's just a lot of fun to watch because a lot of these guys might not even be on the roster next year so it's pretty easy to for me to as a person just watching the game sit and kind of root for them to play above their head but i think the raptors are the important team to talk about in this series they're now up 2-0 defending champs they're looking really good i mean that defense Looks like the best defense in the NBA. But what I really liked about them in this game was that even though they struggled, I mean, the offense was not good for them. And there's, there's a reason why the Nets were in this game and had a lead until late. But even though the offense wasn't good, they still played through it and pulled out the win, which we didn't see the Lakers and Bucks do in their first game. So, I mean, does this game give you any more confidence in the Raptors on this run? Uh, it doesn't give me any confidence. They're a very good team. I like how 
scrappy uh, Lowry and Van Vliet has been on defense as far as applying pressure and kind of stopping the bleeding when the Nets were responding. But like they're just an overall good team. And you have to factor that in and that Nick Nurse, what he does that other coaches don't do is in-game adjustments. I think the other coach that who isn't active right now is Tyron Lue, who was very good at that as well. That separates Nick Nurse from a lot of coaches. You know, he's able to find the issue, stop the bleeding, fix it, and then his team respond very well to it. And I think that's what's really going on in this situation. Although it's just the Nets, I think they can do that with any team in the league. That's right. Exactly. Because playing down to your opponent is common in the NBA. This is not rare. I mean, I think a lot of fan bases tend to say that about their team. I don't really think that about the Raptors. I think the Nets have just been playing you know, over their head for now, this is the third week, you know, they're playing hard and sometimes stuff happens and your offense isn't clicking. So I do, I do appreciate they were able to still pull this out. Fred Van Vliet had 24 points, 10 assists, continuing the crazy run he's on. Norm Powell had 24 off the bench. That's the guy I think that if they're going to win the title, if they're going to make it to the finals and win the title, I think Norm Powell is going to blow up. And I think it's, he's going to have a little mini leap and he's going to look like he did today. Yeah, I mean, what Norman Powell's doing, man, you know, I just think most of those guys, man, they're just making names for themselves that don't get the love. I don't consider Norm Powell, like, you know, obviously he had to pay his dues and kind of wait. But um, I think this is his year to, you know, kind of get some shine and some love, man. You know, the same thing with OG and, and those guys. It just kind of goes hand in hand. They have a next man up situation. You've seen Stanley Johnson hit a game winner prior to before the playoffs started. And guys are just getting their opportunity. You know, with Nick Nurse, you have to play defense to be on the floor. And, and guys are really, you know, working their butt off to, to to do what they need to do. And you mentioned Fred Van Bleet having a double-double. Uh, Man, he he's playing himself into a, a, a nice contract, you know. And that's, that's the thing, man, him being aggressive, being able to shoot, being able to find his teammates, being able to defend. And they play – the thing about the Raptor guards, they're not that big, but they play bigger than what they are. And with them running so small, like, you're not going to be able to body up a Van Vliet or a Lowry. You're not going to be able to, you know, take advantage of it and and play characteristics. Those guys body up and, and make you take the uncharacteristic shot. So um, it works in their favor. And, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say that's a sweep, but it's looking like that way that, you know, in general, not not a sweep, but just in general that I think Brooklyn's going to give their all, but the, the, the Raptors are going to move on from this series. I think everybody's on the same page on that one. I uh, do want to note that Joe Harris has left the bubble for a non-medical matter. He did that after this game and, and likely will not return uh, in time to you know to play in this series, um, and maybe not at all. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget all the other shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. Don't forget all the games coming up on Thursday, and the ding will be back Friday morning. The Heat are looking to take a 2-0 series lead on the Pacers. The Rockets are hoping to shell-shock the Thunder again. We're going to find out if Giannis and the Bucks can counter Orlando's hot shooting. And maybe the underdog Lakers might bounce back after that demoralizing Game 1 loss. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, what are you waiting for? Go to theathletic.com slash playoff40off. That's playoff40off, all one word. And save 40% on a subscription. Thank you guys for waking up with us. Trey, take us home. Ding, ding.